welcome to What About Us, a podcast that discusses how policies affect rural Tennesseans. I am the host, Sandy Rice. What About Us is now part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network and promoted throughout the state. Our rural voices are amplified. Go to tn.holler, H-O-L-L-E-R.com to sign up and support the podcast, broadcast, and newsletter for progressive voices in Tennessee. Sheila Younglove is back with us today. She couldn't wait to do another podcast with us. <laughs> she's That's right. The, she's the candidate for State Senate District 16 running against Janice Bowling. Welcome back, Sheila. Hi. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to be here. All right. So all the Democratic candidates, at least that I know of, running for state office, have Medicaid expansion or health care as part of their platform. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because the Census Bureau estimated in 2018 that 675,000 uninsured in Tennessee tied us with Alabama and Arizona for the third largest increase in the nation. In the pandemic, 122,000 more workers have lost comprehensive health insurance since COVID and the economic crisis. This brings our total to a possible 750,000 uninsured or 19% of our population. It will most surely increase as employer insurance and COBRA, which is a federal assistance program for workers and families who lose their health benefits due to job loss. Um, it's very expensive. Um, but we'll have a quarter, three quarters of a million uninsured. We're also 44th in the U.S. for health outcomes. We're 45. This is out of 50, folks. Just a little geographic reminder. 40, we're number 45 in cancer deaths, cardiovascular, and diabetes deaths. Our number of cancer deaths are increasing while the rest of the country goes down. We're number 43 in premature deaths. Our life expectancy living in Tennessee is going down where most of the nation is going up. We're number 44 in access to quality health care and preventive services. We have increasing addiction rates and drug deaths. Rural families have poor health and are less likely to have health insurance. Tennessee rural counties are federally, federally classified as medically underserved. 13 rural hospitals have closed, the highest per capita rate in the country, and many more are in financial distress. In 2019, PennCare dropped 128,000 children, some still eligible for coverage. This was due to an outdated system. And we're passing up $1.4 billion of federal funds per year. The question was, why do the Democrat the candidates running for office have this part of their platform because the Democrats in this state think this situation is outrageous, absolutely outrageous and unconscionable. Our GOP legislators and governor don't seem to care. Letters, protests, tweets, personal stories, testimonies, forums, nothing has changed a single heart or mind. So Sheila, give us a quick history on Medicaid expansion. Well, Sandy, excuse me. As far as the history on Medicaid expansion, you you know more than anyone on it, I think, in the state. Um, Oh, I would beg to differ. You are the woman with the info. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was listening to what you were saying there and um, you know, for, for Tennessee to be one of the front runners and not doing something is, is depressing enough, you know, <laughs> never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. That's right. Um, and, and that's really frightening to me. It's, it's scary. And I, I really don't understand why Republicans don't want us to have help for, you know, those amongst us who are the most um, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see where it benefits them at all. And it just makes them look like, you know, uh, snidely whiplash from the old cartoons, you know. Um, I, I don't get it. I really don't. But one thing that I, I do know is that I spoke to um, the county mayor in Grundy County the other day, mm -hmm. county, exec county executive, I guess is what they call him now. He was telling me they were just now getting an urgent care clinic. Oh, okay. Yeah. They have no hospital. They have no hospitals. They have a public health department. They have, um, yeah. well, they have Bearshire Springs Medical Clinic, which I right. am a board member for and have right. volunteered for them. Of course, they're not but, able to see, you know, patients. Right. They are trying to kind of do a car health yeah. type thing. But just think about that. It's one of those things where, okay, we're not even willing to, to do any of this. We're just now getting that in Grundy County. Well, and, and they don't have good broadband outraged. either for the school. No, they don't. Mm -mm. No, they no. don't. Um, so as far as Medicaid expansion, you know, um, it became effective back in January of 2014 in all states that have adopted the Medicaid expansion program, except, um, well, there's a list of them here. There's like Michigan, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Alaska, Montana, Louisiana, Virginia, Maine, Idaho, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Missouri. And they've all adopted a form of it, but not just flat out Medicaid expansion. Okay. And then it, it came during a time when you know, the federal government was even reaching out to say, hey, let's, you know, particularly President Obama was trying to reach out and make health care affordable, doable, mm -hmm. you know, let's take care of our citizens. Let's don't just let them die, you know, for things that can be prevented. Mm -hmm. Let's get them some health care. Um, you know, there are some other states that have not yet adopted it at all. But it, in 2014, if they had adopted it, the government paid a hundred federal government, I should say, paid a hundred percent of the cost. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's leveraged off now to the point where the federal government pays ninety percent of the mm -hmm. cost. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Sandy, you tell me if I'm mistaken on this. The federal government pays one point four billion. They would pay that much to Tennessee. To Tennessee, right. it, okay. it varies from state to state. Yeah, right. right. Well, you know, it was and, originally part of the ACA. Yes, yes. You know, and, the, and there was Medicare for the people that qualified, I mean, Medicaid. Yes. And, you know, I've talked a lot on this program that, that people think that, well, Medicaid is like welfare. Well, you have to be certain conditions to get yeah. Medicaid. You know, a mother, a child, a disabled, pregnant mm -hmm. woman, I mean, not uh, in that. So, um, and there's, and there's um, 
you know, levels, financial levels for that. Right. It's well, not then, like you're just saying here, everybody, everybody has Medicaid. No, um, no. No, it's, it's to help the least among us as far as financially. Right, right. And, and then, of course, <laughs> the ACA had the marketplaces for people that yes. couldn't afford insurance. And the Medicaid expansion was kind of, you know, in the middle. Right, for, you right. Know, a lot of um, self-employed people, artists, you know, people that couldn't get a job with health exactly. insurance benefits. Exactly. So it's one of those things that you kind of look at and you go, well, you know, this is not just a handout. This is a way for your, <laughs> to keep your citizenry healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and able to work. Where, yes. Able to work. And you know, everybody wants to scream and say, well, you can't get Medicaid unless you can, you know, you have to work for it. You have, yeah. you have to have a job and all this. Well, a lot of people would love to do that. Would love to work. If would they, love to work. They weren't one. so darn sick. <laughs> if they weren't so sick, if the work was available, and I don't know, gee, a pandemic might have something to do with the fact that they can't get a job right now. Um, and the people are like, well, there are jobs out there. Yeah, there are jobs out there. And those jobs would require people in the extreme rural counties, particularly those in our district, mm-hmm. to travel quite a distance every single day. Um, to just make enough money to put food on their tables and mm-hmm. gas in their car to drive back to back and right, forth to their right, work. Right. And, and, and so while they're doing all that driving, the kids are at home or grandma mm-hmm. who they care for is, um, is alone. So yes. Well, and the kids, you know, they're not getting what they need. 38 States have expanded, mm-hmm. uh, including Washington, DC. And, um, I looked at, uh, when I looked at this last week, uh, they said Missouri was going to vote on it this past Tuesday. Uh-huh. And they voted it in and added it to its state constitution. Um, they think that they did that because there has been a history of the people wanting it. And right. then the governor is a, the, the other party and he doesn't want it. Uh, he or she doesn't want it. And so they go back and it's forth. So Missouri put it um um, into the state constitution. Now, it's, the southern states have refused to expand, including um, Tennessee. I mean, there's a few, you know, a few others here and there, but I mean, I don't get that. Do you? I mean, do you get it? why this is particularly the southern states don't want it? Yeah. Well, I have As thought about this. <laughs> so, and I know you have because you, you are a thinker. So, you know, I wonder what, what Sandy has come up with because. <laughs> You have well, Sandy does a lot of reading about um, history, but um, this mm-hmm. is, doesn't go too far back. But I think Southerners don't like to be told what to do, especially from President Barack Obama. Okay, okay. and I understand that, but you know he is no longer our president. No, and hasn't so, been for four years. Yes, and I miss I miss him dearly. <laughs> um, but it goes beyond that. It's like even if you have. A situation where you don't like who the president was, but you have the opportunity to provide health care, you know, some form of bridge health care, health care between those who qualify for ten care and those who can afford to private pay. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, the other the other thing is is, um, and this is throughout the country. This isn't unique to the South, but the rich and powerful like to control the rest of the population. But they're going to control them right out of existence. That's what yeah. they're going to do. And then so, who's going to do their jobs for them? 
Yeah, well, and, and then this, this attitude kind of it, it does exclude the marginalized, low-income people of color and women. Mm-hmm. We, we, our last podcast, we talked about uh, yes, women. Yeah, and, we did. Yeah, we're, and then the other thing that's very common in these parts, social programs get labeled socialism. <laughs> I just, you know, when I hear people say that, I want to say you really don't know what socialism yeah. is, do you? Yeah, and it's um, because they don't. Mm-hmm. I was I was listening to um, a podcast yesterday um, that talked about when um, President Truman, you know, wanted to bring um, a, a national health care, and he was you know, slammed, and the, the AMA, you know, really slammed that. But then uh, there was a depression and FDR was able to make a little progress. And then also um, Kennedy and then Johnson when we finally got um, Medicare. But that tends to not be considered socialism. A nice definition about social social programs or socialism, it takes off the rough edges of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Because your pure capitalism, I mean, the, 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 the wealthy have having all the money in control would be much, 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 you know, worse. Yeah. Well, gee, you know, and it's, it's funny how people, even those who say, Oh, I don't want the socialism. They sure do want their social security. (laughs) They don't think about that. Just to just, to just lift, um, you know, our citizens, but yeah, just think if, if FDR had not implemented social security, you know, during the great depression so many people literally would have starved to death mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and we're in we're in a depression here and um yeah so so maybe some things will happen but so so the aca started in 2012 and everybody had to have all the states had to have medicaid expansion mm-hmm. but that went to the supreme court kind of a states rights things and the supreme court decided in 2012 that no, the states had to opt. And so that's where we get some states that have it and, and not. So in, ten, in Tennessee, uh, Governor Haslam wanted to do Insure Tennessee. And it was mm-hmm. in a committee. It was in a committee. And what happened? What happened was his own party stabbed him in the back. Um, they, including four key sen- Republican senators, I might add, one of which was my opponent. Um, said, no, we're not going to do that. Mm-mm. That might actually sound like a democratic program yes. um, so, so, instead so, of doing what was best for us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so since then, uh, even a whisper before a session um, is squashed. It's been since 2014. Yeah. Um, Governor Haslam tried again before leaving office because he felt that it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of this, this year, the first, you know, of how many legislative sessions we're going to have, a yes. member of the GOP tried to get it discussed and pulled it. That was uh, representative Ron Travis, who I think you've talked to. Uh, very briefly. Okay. And you, you kind of overlap on your, on your yeah. counties or something, but. And I, I've told him I would be glad when I become the senator to reach across the aisle and work with him. I was very proud of him for trying to get it introduced again, and that I'd be glad to work with him, reach across the aisle, work out something that is doable. Um, because 
we've got to do this for our citizens. It is just not right to let people be sick when you can do something about it. And, you know, they say our taxes will go up. No, they won't. Federal government's paying 90% of that cost. The hospital association has now agreed to pick up the other 10%, whereas normally the states do. Right. Right. So it, it makes no sense not to adopt it. Okay. So, and then, um, and, and actually, um, the Tennessee Justice Center said that it would be the easiest, easier now than ever before to, in our emergency situation mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to get it through because of yeah. the number of uninsured people uh, due to the pandemic. So you would think. So um, in November, as recent as November uh, 2019, mm-hmm. um, the Mason-Dixon polling research said 63% of registered voters wanted expansion. Now, only 21% opposed it. I don't know where the other 16% were, but I'm going to attribute that to just confusion of Medicare, <laughs> Medi- you know, Medicaid. So, so <laughs> somebody asked me, uh, why can't we just vote on it ourselves, like some of these other states? Have? Yeah, make it a referendum item. Yeah. I do it have should be. why. Will you go for it? No. Because I was wondering about we that can't. myself. That's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> they said so. That's right. How does this citizen go about getting an issue on the ballot? The answer is in Tennessee, there is no right to hold an election, including a referendum, absent an express grant of power by the legislature. Well, I've been talking about this for years, and I, I finally found it. It's OAG 83-389 from November of 1983. So you're going to look that up and figure out how I am. you can change that. But I am, because state attorney, it. But this is the best part, y'all. The state attorney general in 1980 opined, I guess that means wondered or thought. Issued a statement. This is a quote, a statement. Quote, the use of a referendum as a method of gauging the electorate's view of a particular issue is totally foreign to the representative system of government in Tennessee. That's not true. So, so us voting on something in a uh, ballot initiative he's saying it, it is not a part of a representative government so if that's not part of a representative government i don't know what is yeah well i mean he 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 actually refuted himself on that if your citizenry is voting on a referendum then your citizenry itself is making that choice that is not taking charge of our lives i don't know what is yeah well they like to be in that so girlfriend will you take (laughs) up this issue for uh, three quarters of a million uninsured tennessees when you get elected you better believe i will you better believe i will and be one of the first things i do okay so we had looked at a lot of things of how other expanded medicaid states were doing and the Kaiser Family Foundation did a huge literature review. Um, what kinds of things did you f- find? We, we said we were going to look at mental health and addiction, cancer and smoking, mm-hmm. and, and um, oh, I guess opioids. Was that the third one? Mental health, cancer, opioids? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Um, but before we go there, let me 
say this. I have a son who lives in Kentucky, and Kentucky has Medicaid expansion. Um, however, in March of last year, the court set aside the reapproved Kentucky health waiver, you know, because a lot of these states have waivers on parts of Medicaid expansion. Uh, in its previous decision, the court had decided, uh, had set aside the original waiver approval. But in, December, in November 2018, um, they reapproved the Kentucky health waiver with minor technical changes. And unless and until um, HHS issues another health approval and that, services. Yeah, sorry, passes um, legal must, <laughs> I can't even talk. Unless and until Health and Human Services issues another approval that passes legal muster or prevails on appeal, the work requirements, monthly premiums up to 4% of their income, coverage lockouts for failure to timely renew eligibility or timely report a change of circumstances, heightened cost sharing for non-emergency ER use and elimination of retroactive eligibility and non-emergency medical transportation will not be implemented. The separate institution for mental disease substance use disorder payment waiver was not set aside and was allowed to go into effect. So Kentucky's expansion program was originally implemented and continues to operate under um, the SBA authority. On November 5th of 2019, uh, the Attorney General, Democratic Gen Attorney General Andy Bashir, who is now the governor, um, you know, beat the incumbent governor. And Bashir on December 16th of 2019 signed um, an executive order rescinding the Kentucky health waiver. Oh, okay. Now, what makes it important to say my son is my son, you know, works, has worked in um, like the food industry and you know, all that's, and it doesn't pay much. It just literally does not pay much. Um, but if he had not had the uh, Medicaid expansion, you know, he's had some health issues. He's, you know, had to have testing done and, and he's been very, very sick. And they finally, you know, have somewhat figured out what's going on with him. But if he had not had that, you know, he's too old to be on my insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. Then my son could very well have died. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't have the money to get all the testing done and get treatment that he needed. I certainly didn't have the money for that. Um, but that's just one real, real life example of medicaid expansion and how that does help and how we can make it um workable without saying oh here's a big old handout and i've i've got an article here now about missouri voters um and their latest vote to approve medicaid expansion on tuesday they approved medicaid expansion to many of the state's poorest adults making their conservative state the second to join the Obamacare program through the ballot through the pandemic. Oh, okay. The Missouri ballot issue expands Medicaid to about 230,000 low-income residents at a time when the state's safety net healthcare program is already experiencing an enrollment surge tied to the pandemic's economic upheaval. 
the measure was supported by 53% of the voters. Okay. Which is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they, but they could do something about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Missouri just sit here. A, right. The, they become the sixth Republican led state where voters have defied the GOP leaders mm-hmm. to expand Medicaid just weeks after Oklahoma voters nearly backed the program. No state has ever voted down such a ballot initiative in recent years, underscoring the popularity of Medicaid expansion, even in parts of the country hostile to Obamacare. Oh, okay. So Tennessee could take a lesson from Missouri, and that's what I'm saying. You know, there, is, there isn't any reason why Tennessee cannot get this forward as well. Right. Except um, they, they, they don't want to. They don't want to. The, the powers that be don't want to. Mm-hmm. And um, it's well, the, this. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, the other thing is, is this is an example of a, a waiver, which is kind of getting in the weeds, but um, it's, it's not one size fits all. You know, it's there, not. There are things that uh, I think they're pretty much on their own for developing programs like Ohio is famous for the, the progress they've done, done in opioid um, um, deaths and addiction rates and all the things that they've done, you know, for, for counseling. I think they've developed that all on their own. But then with the waivers, and what I see a trend in the waivers is, is you ask Health and Human Services if you can do it this way, and they'll tell you whether you can or, or not. Um, but they've really latched on a lot of places to work requirements. Again, back to that thing, uh, nobody should get something for nothing. Everybody needs to get a job. But the percentages of people that do work under Medicaid are very, very large. And of course, um, uh, Tennessee's uh, work requirement is on hold. Um, they wanted to right. take some money from somewhere else and put it towards, um, you know, trying to find these folks that are collecting or that are getting Medicaid and could work able-bodied, you know, mm-hmm. adults. And right. that's just, you know, it's just sitting there. So, but sometimes even if they're able-bodied to work, Mm-hmm. Maybe the work they're able-bodied to do does not have any openings. And right. They do not have training to do right. another type of work. Right. Right. So, right. but they're going to, but situation? they're going to, they're going to, you know, get after them. You know, when Arkansas made their work requirements, actually, which mm-hmm. is a whole nother podcast, you know, they they dropped a couple hundred thousand people, and it was because you know in Arkansas, you know, like here, uh, lack of broadband. Mm-hmm. And people not understanding or even knowing how to, you know, uh, work in computer programs. So they didn't know how to, to, to record. But, uh, you know, something that's kind of interesting about that Missouri vote mm-hmm. um, that we were talking about just a second ago. It says it came as the state has faced one of the sharpest increases in coronavirus infections and now reports on average over 1,200 daily new cases, uh-huh. almost three times more than a month ago. It's unclear whether the state's rules around mail-in balloting could have affected turnout. Since the state requires mail-in ballots to be notarized, organizers expected most voters would head to the polls on election day. Oh, and yeah, try uh, to find a notary in a rural area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm a notary, but I've been a notary for 
decades. Yeah. Um, It's a little bit easier if you have people that know even what that is. And that's just attesting to the, the, right. Right. So that's, that's another barrier, you know, to to voting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, um, I use this example with education is that people uh, want a good public school system. And what did Mm -hmm. we get uh, was the voucher system that's uh, back in court for however much money, you know, you mentioned to appeal it and appeal it again. Yeah. um, And it's the same with healthcare. We wanted Medicaid expansion and what the legislature and the governor came up with what was a block grant which said is sitting in health and human services it it will probably never pass and here it is that went in november so nine months later yeah. and but it wasn't did, I'm sorry, go it wasn't going to ensure anybody or provide any any services it was a well yeah. governor lee said he had a plan and that's why everybody voted for him as opposed to carl dean who wasn't charismatic enough mm. a plan he had medicaid expansion but yeah um, like I said, that wasn't sexy enough for them. <laughs> but, you know, I noticed that our legislature could take a, a midnight vote on the heartbeat bill. Nothing shady about that. But they don't. Well, they're going back next. They're going, they're going back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and are they going to talk about health care or um, a, a, a better COVID plan or how to deal with unemployment? No. I, I was going to say, I, I don't think that's on their agenda. Um, uh, it, it's their third session. Um, yeah. I had somewhere how much that costs the taxpayers whenever uh-huh. they wander back to Nashville. But uh-huh. they're trying to pass legislation. They tried to do it last session, the second session, uh, to protect businesses from being sued if you contract uh, COVID. Um, it's it's um, to protect tech business interests from frivolous lawsuits. Um, sure is frivolous when you're dying because somebody did <laughs> suffering, suffering, Yes, you know, you know, because and, somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do right. and taking precautions. Um, but you know, the, uh, the heartbeat bill absolutely ties into Medicaid expansion because um, they want you to have these babies, but they sure don't want to help you once you have them. Let's tell you how to live your life and then good luck on how you make it. Well, you know, um, that's, that's uh, part of my, Oh, let me go. Let me go back to the rest of the agenda that I've been able to. No, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Is um, getting rid of those protesters. Um, (laughs) Those protesters, huh? You know, this happens. People, they want to be heard and they, so they protest and, uh, Mm -hmm. and you know, their demand is to talk, with Governor Lee, I believe this was the same thing. This has happened before, but mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm I'm curious to see you know how that g- goes. Um, and you know they can't meet without passing some piece of legislation that will be um, declared unconstitutional. The vouchers, <laughs> the abortion ban. Yeah, it, it um, will be. And and uh, oh, they spent a little time with that. A mail-in vote, but um, this is the, so the right afraid of mail-in vote. First Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. I left that to do. Oh, that's part of my action plan, which you referred to the abortion bill. Mm-hmm. Um, 
be a knowledgeable voter. And, and my advice was to look beyond the party or a single issue. And yep. abortion was one example. No one wants abortion. Some want to make it illegal for a woman to have a baby uh, or send them to a back alley. Um, you know, abortions have been long around for a long time. But then there are others who want to support women of childbearing age. Another example is no one wants your guns, uh, but want the shooting, especially of women and children, to stop. So this late night abortion bill that was declared un unconstitutional was went till early in the morning to get to get that done and, and it was it was for not. They're spending so many millions of dollars on things that they don't need to be spending millions of dollars on where had they done their research and actually did what was best for the citizens of Tennessee, we wouldn't be having this issue. We could be putting those millions of dollars toward helping those who cannot help themselves. Yeah, well. But Lord knows we don't want to do that because we've got to be right. <laughs> okay. See, I told you, if I get elected, <laughs> I will speak my mind. <laughs> so anybody listening to your podcast, get ready because it, if it's in my head, it's coming out my mouth because... <laughs> That's just the way I am. I, well, you know, they don't scare me. I'm not intimidated by them at all. I don't care what flavor they are. And, um, you know, you're nothing but a mercenary when you're, you know, trying to withhold health care from our citizens just because it ain't a popular idea in your party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, be a knowledgeable voter. <clears throat> it's never been easier to get good information. I know. Uh, and it's never been easier, unfortunately, to get misleading information as well. How, how do we learn more, get to learn more about you? Oh, you can go on to my Facebook page for one thing. I've got, um, it's Sheila Young Love for State Senate. And I have an about section where I tell you about, you know, who I am as a person. And of course, I'm having Young Love Live broadcast every weekend, and I'm tackling, you know, a different issue each weekend. My first uh, issue was Medicaid expansion, um, and then my second one, what was it? it um, education, I believe it was. The last one I had was on... Um, no, the second one was COVID-19. This last one was on this um, jobs bill that my opponent tried to introduce and quickly withdrew and put in the subcommittee until this coming year. This coming sun Saturday, I'll be doing a part two to that to cover the legal aspect of it and to speak with some people in those various fields that are covered by the de-licensure bill. So you'll find out more and more how I stand on each one of these topics. And I, I invite uh, questions on it. I invite comments on it. I don't invite derogatory personal attacks. Oh. Um, you know, <laughs> who wants that? I mean, you know, um, I don't mind tough questions at all. I do mind people attacking me and making false statements. And um, if you're going to make that, you better be ready to back it up. So 
like I said, if it's in my head, it's coming out my mouth. And I do want, you know, I want people to send in questions, even on my Facebook page, send in questions. There's a place where you can do that on there to send me a message. And I'm glad to get back to you. And I've got, right now I've got two questions I'm doing some research on for, you know, to the people in the district. And I appreciate them contacting me. I want, you know, I will work for them. It's not the other way around. Um, I, I think that some people have forgotten who they represent and what their job is. And they think that it's, hey, look at me. I'm up here in the legislature and um, you may kiss my ring. I'm sort of <laughs> one of those people that goes, oh, happy day. I get to work for you. Good. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's just how I am. Whoever thought this would happen. That's great. Uh, and I do love to meet with people. I met with several people on primary day as I traveled the seven counties and uh, my campaign manager may never speak to me again for that. But we, <laughs> we I, I had him traipsing across all seven counties and we would stop and we would talk with people. And I found that very refreshing and getting their ideas. And I'll tell you one thing I had to my surprise, my pleasant surprise, I had numerous um, Republican voting citizens come up to me and say, hey, I'm a diehard Republican. However, I'm voting for you as my senator because I actually believe you'll do what you say you'll do. Uh. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's immense. And I really appreciated that. And I told them I'd love to talk to them more. And I would. And I'm going to try to, uh, not try to, it's, there is no try. There, there's do or not do, as Yoda would mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I am going to contact those people and talk to them some more and get some more details about what, you know, what their dissatisfactions are with our current leaders. Mm -hmm. So that, number one, I don't make the same mistakes, but I want to do the right thing and it may not be popular it may not be flashy and have all the sequins but i want to do the right thing medicaid expansion is the right thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely okay. the right thing good and guess what i'm going to be right there with them right now i have decent insurance um in just a few months, I will no longer be insured because I'm covered under my current husband's insurance and he won't be my husband anymore in a few, few more months. So I will have zero health insurance. All right. So be. But I won't qualify for Medicaid. You won't qualify. Expansion. No, I won't. But I can go on to the ACA marketplace. Right, right. And at least purchase some sort of coverage, whether it's you know, nearly as good as what I've got or not, I can purchase some sort of coverage. Um, but you know, I won't qualify. So guess what? I'm going to be in the same boat <laughs> at least for I a while. Yeah. So I, I hope they don't decide to get rid of that because that's going to put even more people oh off, my gosh. off insurance, which that, that is even suggested still in the middle of a pandemic. But um, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, y'all pick the best time on the planet to yeah. talk about. Hey, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna cut out insurance programs because well, y'all are sick, you know. Yeah, some some people are wishing it away, so I guess that 
not a big deal. So anyway, I we, wish I could click my heels three times and say there's no place like home and, and it be gone. You know, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, but me it's too. Not, yeah. yeah, it's not, it's, we will, I, I honestly believe that we will not go back to what we think is normal. I think that it's going to take us a long time to get over and get through this COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. as most pandemics have happened in the past, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people will die worldwide. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate that. I, you know, I feel helpless. Mm -hmm. I know that the doctors, the scientists working on vaccines, you know, they have to feel so helpless because they're working night and day. Mm -hmm. I respect them. I appreciate them. But in the meantime, living in what we say the real world here uh we we can't just knock people off the cliff because you know hey we don't want to deal with this so oops you're going well and i to read take away that is to do that i read something today that maybe by the first part of next year we'll have a vaccine and a survey showed that oh, over 50 percent of people say they won't get it right and i i heard somebody talk about that i'll be doing a podcast on that <laughs> I bet you will. Um, I, I talked to somebody the other day and they were talking about flu vaccines. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, I don't take the flu vaccines each year because you know, the RNA in the flu itself, that particular strain mutates. So by the time you get a flu shot, it was for last year's strain of flu, not this year's strain. And you know, you would know better than me how true that is. But, uh, I'll be telling you, if, if there's a COVID vaccine, I will strongly consider taking it. Yeah. Well, um, my neighbor is a virologist, so uh, he's, um, every time I see him walking the dog, I say, come on, come on my podcast. And he keeps gathering. <laughs> so he's I'll like, no, him. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask him that question. Let me, let me wrap us up here. Um, okay. You're so much fun. We could talk another hour but well, that's because i enjoy my company here <laughs> let me just say that by ex this is from the tennessee justice center so i i can't um and they are the okay. authority right now in tennessee to get your uh -huh. info on this that is right but so um by expanding medicaid 38 other states have saved lives improved health status protected families from medical debt we didn't even talk about that oh yeah it's hospitals open kept their rural hospitals open and reduced health disparities. Mm -hmm. Without the additional $1.4 billion <clears throat> annually in federal tax dollars, Tennessee is missing the opportunity to provide health insurance to over 300,000 uninsured adults, to financially support struggling hospitals, to create new jobs, and ultimately to improve the health of all Tennesseans. Tennessean, Tennessee's working families pay taxes that provide health coverage for state legislators and their families. It's time for mm -hmm. legislators to treat Tennessee taxpayers with the same concern and attention and allow them to have access to federal Medicaid benefits. So I agree. I agree. You know, when I'm elected the senator, what I think is fair is that whatever insurance I have, you get. Yeah. Well, that could I be. Think that, I think it's fair. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, 
don't know that that'll ever happen, but when they ask for my two cents, I'm giving it to them like that, that, hey, you can do this for me. Um, how come we're not doing this for everybody? Right. Well, you're one tough blonde. <laughs> to another tough blonde. <laughs> Thanks, Sheila. Good luck. Thank you. And Appreciate if you. And if you're nice, we'll let you come on again. Please let me come back on again. Your husband thinks I'm a nice person. So, you know, tell Lewis I said hi, and um, we'll talk about some good stuff coming up. Okay. Sure do. And thank you for so much help. Okay. Well, this has been What About Us with uh, Sheila Younglove. Remember to go look at tn.holler, uh, no, tnholler.com for this podcast, other great podcasts, sign up and support them, and especially get the newsletter. Um, it will be worth it after uh, this week's legislative session. You know what they do, their specialty is, and that's why I love it, is they hold um, our elected fish officials' feet to the fire, make them accountable yeah. for the decisions yeah. that they make, because it's not just a piece of paper, it, mm -hmm. is, it affects real people, and you can really tell that with this whole yeah. dalliance with, uh, is that the right word, um, with the healthcare. Yeah, I think that is Dancing the perfect around. word. It's they're dallying with it. So yeah, I think you had the perfect word there. And I'm so glad that you're affiliated with the Tennessee Holler now. Um, I think your podcast has been great, you know, beforehand. You. But I'm so glad that you're going to be able to reach even more people now. Yeah, and you're one smart lady, and you keep up with what's going on. And I say personally that we vote Sandy Rice for governor. You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's that's just I'm my having opinion. too much fun doing this, girlfriend. <laughs> you could still do it though from the state. You could still do it from Nashville. I know you could. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Sheila. <laughs> Bye. <hon. laughs>